0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders, past and present, of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty in this land. Radio,
1: radio this is 3CR Breakfast. Oh, yeah.
0: Alternative news, analysis, Wrap and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8:30am.
1: Holy double. Grab your I'm hands.
0: right now we are joined in the studio by Peter Davies who's um, introducing a new regular segment that's going to be featuring on Monday Breakfast. You may have heard me talk about it earlier in the show. Um, Over the wall is a look at the barriers to social support and safety nets from the perspective of those most affected and the worker advocates who support them and we're pretty excited to have this segment joining Monday Breakfast. Peter, welcome to the station.
2: Studio. Great. Yeah, thank you. It's also worker advocates but we're very much um, focused on the social safety net as... Things like Centrelink as well, so advocating for for people who might be currently out of work and 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 their experiences with government services. But yeah, you're exactly right. The the theme over the wall is is getting over the wall between government and the social safety net because these days. I think a lot of people know their experiences trying to communicate with government services from Centrelink to many departments is they actually can't speak to a real person anymore. So we're trying to get over that barrier of communication and, and also inform the public about their rights.
0: That's right. When when a lot of people are engaging with the, the social safety, um, the the, the, net, the net that should be there, yeah. they often come across a sort of a very inhuman machinery um, that that seeks... Um, sometimes just impl- implicitly inside the system, but also sometimes explicitly seeks to 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 repel them, to to push them away. Um, so, what kind of um, what kind of topics are we looking forward to? Um, th- the segment begins next week. Um, yeah. What what are we looking forward to um,
2: coming up? Well, we'll cover a range of uh, government services, anything that affects the public. So. In in the long term, we'll definitely be focusing on Centrelink and and Robo debts. Um, we'll also be looking at issues people have with police. And I've noticed um, recently up in the Northern Territory, the Cop Watch um, group has started up, which monitors um, people's experiences with police. Um, we'll be looking at people's experiences with the Australian Tax Office or difficulties with landlords and, and their rights in regards to appeals with VCAT, um, anything to do with government services and the public knowing their rights and, and also the communication process. Yeah,
0: Fantastic. Well, it sounds like something that people should definitely tune into.
3: We'll be playing that 750s on Monday. Peter. Oh, sorry. Um, this is Em I'm speaking. I, I just wanted to know, um, how did the name of the program come about? Like, what's the... The background
2: story for that? I was personally motivated as um, I've been on disability support pension for uh, a number of years and luckily my health has returned in, in the last 10 years. Um, I used to, I've been HIV positive for many years and due to the good treatments I've been able to um, return to work. But um, since returning to work um, I've been doing casual work and there's not a, a regular amount of hours to report each fortnight to Centrelink. Um, what has happened is with the it's an algorithm that we're actually dealing with at Centrelink that's a, that was mass-produced um, and launched last September. and, and then last December, um, hundreds of thousands of people started receiving these debt recovery notices, and this um, algorithm is flawed. Um, it works to a system where across the year it, it averages out income and if people aren't reporting a, a, an average income on, on the same basis each fortnight, the algorithm doesn't understand that. It doesn't understand discrepancies as, as well in, in some other things like people have been back paid by an employer and they can't actually report a back payment and things like that. So... I received myself a debt recovery notice. Um, I decided to to pay it up because um, Centrelink said the only way I could appeal it was to provide um, payslips, but the debt recovery notices um, are being issued from five years ago or more, and my payslips I had from, from that period had actually faded, and I contacted my employer, and they said that we don't actually provide weekly pay slips, and from that period back then we can just give you an annual income um, summary. So there was actually no way to appeal the, the Centrelink debt recovery notice, and the thing which um, a lot of organisations are, are talking about, it such as the, the Law Society of New South Wales um, released a report, is that the onus is on the recipient to prove their innocence in, in this regard. Um, Centrelink have also been using the Australian Federal Police uh, logo on on some of the letters they're sending out as as if it's a fraud notice. And so they're generating this debt recovery notice, um, which people can't prove that is wrong, but um, they don't have to prove that it's right and... Um, the Senate inquiry come out recently, but also a number of community organisations such as Mental Health Australia are advocating that the notices are actually flawed and we're finding that some things like they've doubled up on the employer. Some employees, apl- employers have two names for the organisation and so they've actually seen that as working two jobs and two amounts of reporting, which is completely wrong. So a lot of people get these notices. They're really complicated. Um, A follow-up letter then comes from a a debt collector agency, and you start dealing with a debt collection agency, which um, also imposes a 10% levy on your fine. And the fines are into the thousands of dollars. Um, We're actually looking like... The the government actually has been quite um, blatantly... You know, obvious about this because they've been putting in their budget estimates. You know, hundreds of millions and in, into the future, getting up towards billions of dollars that they're looking at recovering through these things. It's first of all affecting um, disability port support pensioners, people on New Start. Now they're targeting um, age pensioners as well. Can you make a comment on
3: how these this type of discrepancy or this algorithm, as you as you put it? Um, how does it affect people who don't have capacity to to engage with this type of notices and with this type of debate? Um and how how are they supposed to get around all these uh all the red tape and as you said, the the algorithm doesn't account for any discrepancies when you don't have an income mm. and then you might have an income later on in the year and then they just average it out. But it just it doesn't work if you have something like chronic fatigue, or if you have a yeah. long-standing illness or chronic illness. How
2: how how do you? I mean, just like who advocates for these people? On, and when mm. they when they've received one of these letters and they've got a, a debt collector on the phone to them as well. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a huge issue. Like um, a person has a right to appeal that, and we'll be covering that. Um, in over the wall in, in the coming sort of four to five weeks that our first focus will be on the Centrelink um, robo-debts. But, um, like, I'll just read um, a media release, just an extract from Mental Health Australia, that they said that in this media release that the staff in my office have received calls from members of the public who have been very dis- distressed by their experience with Centrelink and the collection agencies and, and invariably these people have a deep feeling of helplessness. There might have been a more human approach by the contracted debt collectors and when people telephoned Centrelink to query the debt notices, it could have designed a process to respectfully help Centrelink customers resolve their particular situation and without having to disclose deeply personal issues such as mental illness for them to be treated more reasonably. Yeah,
3: makes It really, makes it really difficult for people who are... Um under so much strain and mm. and have so many comorbidities if you will um, like you said there's mental health there's long-standing illnesses to be able to approach these services yeah there's another way- example
2: I, I can think of straight away too which is a, a person um, who is deaf and they went into the office with an interpreter and they wanted to um, speak to someone in person about their debt recovery notice and The interpreter also felt a bit uncomfortable about having to reveal some very personal information and they wanted to set up an appropriate um, interview um, with with somebody that they would feel comfortable with revealing the information. They were blatantly refused. They were told that um, the interpreter could phone, Centrelink and and speak on their behalf. So we're we're hearing a lot of these types of stories. Um, We're also going to focus heaps on... People actually knowing how to, to deal with it, like what are your rights of appeal, um, who you can con- contact as an advocate. Often it might be, say, for people living in this area Fitzroy. I know Adam Bant's office has received a, a lot of um, calls. There's We've got interviews coming up with a great organisation called Not My Debt which is specifically set up to advocate around this issue.
3: Can you tell us a little bit about Not My Debt"? Did you say it was an organisation or a campaign?
2: Yeah, it's a campaign, yeah, yeah. and they've um, set up in 2016. Um, a couple of people just became motivated just in the same way as I am about this issue and they've been um, campaigning with, with a website um, and, and a number of actions now for... Being into the second year now with have Not My Debt and um, we'll be hearing from their um convener next week on on the programme.
3: Yeah. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. Um I suppose maybe just as an introduction, can you tell us about your co presenter, co host, co producer person? Like what yeah. will be their involvement in this program?
2: Yeah, my, my co producers uh, Duncan Graham um, will be producing that the show together. To um, Duncan's um, been a, a musician in the in the community and he's also been quite politically active from the very first um, anti-Iraq war campaign. Um, my background is I started here in 3CR in 1993 with a, a show about living with HIV um, and I've been a, a trainer and, and producer here at 3CR. In recent years I was doing um, the Spoken Word Show but I just felt... It was time to get more politically active because of of this huge issue affecting hundreds of thousands of Australians. Well,
0: we're absolutely looking forward to having you um, sort of produce this regular segment. As I said earlier, it'll be a regular segment every Monday at 7.50. Yeah. Um, If people sort of are feeling that they're... um, how should I say that that they're completely powerful powerless in front of this sort of this massive mechanism of um mm. sort of it seems almost very intentional um sort of dismissal of people who are poor or people who are living with disability people who are um needing to interact with this um this system but that a system that pushes them away um aside from tuning in every monday what what are some resources that you recommend people getting onto um in order to advocate for for other people in their situations but also to um uh, to to give themselves more power in in their conflicts with Centrelink, for example?
2: Well, being very aware of the appeals process, um, mm. like within Centrelink itself, which we'll be talking about in the coming weeks, um, the Not My Debt campaign has a great website with, with all those resources. So if you just looked up Not My Debt, uh, the Unemployed Workers Union is also advocating um, in a big way for people. And also sometimes it's... Like, I've been into Centrelink myself with an issue and, and the the officers there are under a lot of pressure. Like, it's not a great job to work at and they've actually just said to me, look, I can't really can't help you. Just go and contact your local member. You know, but um, we're actually looking for personal stories from anybody who's had a difficult experience with, for example, Centrelink. So if you look at Over the Wall on Facebook, just go to Facebook Over the Wall or you can uh, email... Over the wall 3 cr at gmail.com and we'd love to hear your stories and your experiences as well and we could support you along the way
0: Absolutely uh, Over the Wall will be a regular segment on this show happening every Monday at 7.50 definitely tune in for that Thank you,
3: for joining us. Thank, you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us Peter, uh, Peter. We'll look forward to um, your program next week Yeah <laughs>
1: Stay tuned to 3CR, support community radio and your local music scene and subscribe now.
0: The Region Honey Eater Project is a volunteer conservation organisation which aims to restore habitat and encourage the recovery of one of Australia's most critically endangered birds. The project is engaged in revegetation, weed removal and seed collection, as well as nest box placement and monitoring of the Regent Honeyeater. To tell us more about the Regent Honeyeater and some of the upcoming project activities, I'm on the line now with Andy Guerin, who is the coordinator of the Regent Honeyeater project. Andy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks very much, Will. Good on you.
0: (laughs) Um, So to start with, many of our listeners, I'd hazard to say most of us have never actually seen a Regent Honeyeater before. So would you be able to describe the bird to us? What does it look like?
1: I certainly can describe it for you, but I'll add to that that I've been with this project now for seven years and um, I've seen some of the releases where we have the captive breeding releases, but uh, very rarely do we see them in the wild, and I've not actually seen one of its own accord in the wild. Wow. So they they are a, a bird about the size of a noisy miner, a fair bit of black but beautiful gold markings underneath the tail feathers, etc., and an unusual sort of um, scaled patterning of white and black on the chest.
0: And they are a beautiful bird. I've seen pictures. So whereabouts in Australia should we find the Regent Honeyeater? What's its natural habitat?
1: So the the original area that the Regent Honeyeater was found in uh, ranged from southeast Queensland all through central and coastal New South Wales and uh, Victoria and right around to Adelaide in South Australia. So they were the large areas it was seen in. There are stories of flocks at Botany Bay. Uh, in, in their hundreds, in the early days. Uh, and they certainly seem to congregate in box iron bark in Chiltern and, and uh, Times Lurg uh, for breeding purposes in Capity Valley in New South Wales. So there's particular areas that they do seem to focus on. And there's other times of the year where we're really unsure as to where they go. There's odd sightings here and there, but um, they they are quite elusive at, uh, at other times of the year.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so... Um If we might be able to talk a bit about the project itself, the Honey Eater Project, the Region Honey Eater Project, has been around for actually quite a while, hasn't it? How long has it been around?
1: It's been 21 years now since it was first started up by a group of concerned uh, citizens uh, out in the Lurg area. So, Lurg is uh, nearby to Benello in northeast Victoria. And they all met at a local hall and decided they wanted to do something about um, the uh, environment in their area, and they chose the Regent honeyeater as the icon for a whole range of threatened species, which includes woodland birds, and uh, Saskagales, and great uh, ground babblers, and a whole range of, of animals, squirrel gliders. Uh, and that then set up the Regent honeyeater project. And they put themselves in a position after several years with, a, uh, with working with Ray Thomas, the uh, previous coordinator, the long term coordinator. Uh, where um, they could afford to employ a coordinator, uh, but still the project is run by a uh, volunteer committee of management.
0: Mm. Now, the Region Honey Eater project isn't just um, striking out planting trees and um, monitoring the boat but you're also acting as a driver of community education. I hear you're working with farmers and landowners. How does that work?
1: So, so, yes, we do work with the farmers and the, the landowners, uh, and in the early days we were always going to the farmers and making suggestions uh, on, on how we might be able to put in a windbreak that would uh, be helpful for them, helpful for their stock, and also be a, a bonus for the environment and the, the appropriate woodland birds. Um, and and these days now we're finding that uh, some of the uh, farmers are coming to us uh, as well, so we're not they're having to um, push the concept as hard. Uh, and we can also help with fencing out uh, trees. Um, there might be a remnant patch And the remnant patch may be suffering from other problems, e.g. dieback. So the the trees are slowly dying anyway. Um, And we can get them fenced out. We can reduce the fertility in the soil and uh, improve the health of those trees.
0: Mm, Yeah. And so aside from working with those local residents and landowners, the project also wants people from across Victoria and across um, Southeast Australia to get involved. How can they do that?
1: Well, we run uh, planting weekends at this time of the year. So our our cycle is that during the summer period, uh, while we're preparing sites, we also uh, germinate all of the little tree seedlings and we plant 50% trees and 50% understory. We take those little seedlings to the local schools and we we have 10 or 12 schools involved. And the school students help us transplant those small seedlings uh, and then we bring them back to the nursery where we grow them on. And then later on the year, which is this time of the year, uh, the same school students can come out and help us plant the very same plants into the ground so they have a a real involvement in the process. Uh, but there's way more plants than the uh, students in getting on their own so we we run planting weekends where volunteers from all parts of Victoria come and give us a hand.
0: Beautiful, and you've got a couple coming up. We'll put all the details on our website just so people know um what to do but what can what can people expect to have to do over that um the, the process It takes up the whole weekend doesn't it?
1: It, it does. We start uh, early on a, um, on a Saturday morning about 9 o'clock. We have an induction and uh, we show people how, how to do the planting, how we like to see it done. And then uh, we have teams out there who are just preparing the soil and others who are putting the plants in the ground. Um, and uh, we have a few educational sessions. We like to go for a bit of a bush work on some nearby planted corridors, so people can see what can happen. Because in in four years after we've planted, we've shown that squirrel gliders can shift through, that grey crown babblers can nest in four-year-old eucalypts. So the the results are very quick, and we try and drive that home, especially to the young students when they're out with us. Uh, and then uh, we have a we provide people with a meal on the Saturday night. Uh, there's cheap camping if they, if they want. We uh, hire the local scout hall and we have mattresses in there. So it's pretty basic, but it works well. And then Saturday morning we do the same, but we finish at lunchtime. We have a barbecue on site so, and uh, people then head home. Sounds
0: like a pretty solid weekend. Now, um, the, there, there have been a couple already um, this past month. Uh, the, the most recent one was actually just yesterday on Saturday and Sunday on the 26th and 27th. We've got some more coming up next month. Um, there's one on the 9th and 10th of that weekend. So um, if people want to sign up, they can hop onto your website and uh, get more details over there. Now, just quickly before we finish for today, um, I'd like to get your comment possibly on some recent news that we've had on um, the increased numbers that have been cited across um, in New South Wales, and uh, I believe? That's
1: right. So they've done a survey recently... And uh, they spotted more uh, regents than they normally have in the equivalent surveys in previous years. Um, and whilst we, we are very excited about it, that's great news. I, I caution against people feeling that the um, numbers are rebounding or anything. Mm. I think uh, part of what's happening is we're learning uh, more about where they are, therefore where to, to look for them. Um, and there are various uh, university groups now who are, who are predicting where we might find regions and going to look in those areas. Uh, which is quite exciting. But the fact that they've seen a higher number this year really is good news. Uh, And uh, there was a um, breeding release. uh, A good number were released there earlier this year. And um, they have been shown to be bonding with the, or pairing with the wild birds. Uh, So, you know, we've got our fingers crossed we're doing everything that we we can do. and, And the more we do, the better the results will be.
0: Absolutely. Now, if folks, like I said earlier, were interested in joining the Regent Honey Eater Project on their upcoming planting weekend, that's the, the weekend on the, uh, the 9th and 10th, you can get involved by looking them up on Facebook or searching for the Regent Honey Eater Project or by heading to regenthoneyeater.org.eu. And there's also a phone number 0457611515. We'll have the details up on our website. Andy, thanks so much for speaking to Monday Breakfast.
1: Thanks very much for the opportunity, Will.
2: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to
0: allthews.3cr.org.au.